Hallelujah. God, we love you in this house. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Man, just great to come and worship the Lord together tonight. Just thankful for him. What a great God and what a great life it is living for this King. Thankful for what the Lord's doing. Thankful for you tonight. Glad to see you all in the house of the Lord. College students are back and I guess y'all had first day of classes today, some of you, so uh, getting ready for your new year. It's going to be a great year and a blessed year in Jesus' name. It's going to be good. Revival on campus. Need to speak that every time you pray. Revival on our campus. We want to see uh, young people, and uh, I feel young, but people younger than me. Uh, want to see them giving their life to the Lord. Yes. Praise the Lord. And sometimes you just, you step into the presence of the Lord, you just feel like I could just stand here all night and just tell him over and over how much I love him and appreciate him for what he's done in my life. I am so glad to be here at this place. Uh, I'm so glad to be in his kingdom and his calling. And it's exciting to think that the things that are in Scripture are going to come to pass. It's exciting to think about him coming back to get us one day. But between the time that he has called us and the time that we get there, you know, we've got to follow him. And uh, Monday night, I, I made a statement at the end of prayer talking about you know, following him and living for him is going to take some, some commitment, some dedication, some things that we have to make our mind up about. It just don't happen. I have preached before, heaven don't just happen. And this life for Jesus don't just happen. There's got to be uh, some commitment to it and some dedication. And uh, the thing about living for God is that it's not impossible. Don't mistake trials and tribulations or, well, I can't do it because he said with every temptation I'll make a way of escape that you would be able to bear it. And so uh, if I fall, I'm not utterly cast down. There's too many promises in Scripture for me to give up and be justified in it. He'll never be justified in surrender because uh, only to him, but uh, to surrender to anything less than God is... Uh, that's our own flesh and carnality and that's our own weakness and, and our lack of faith in the one who will keep us. As the Bible says, now unto him who is able to keep you. So there's, there's someone else in this. You're not walking alone. Uh, we're going with him. We're walking with him. He's with us to the end of the world, he said. So uh, tonight you trust the Lord and make decisions to follow him. Matthew chapter 4 and verses 17 through 20. Again, just great to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Thankful for you being here. In verse 17, Jesus preaching. Anybody ever says, I don't believe in that repentance preaching, doesn't believe in the preachings of Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, 
or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. This is the life they had. It's the life they lived. It's what they did. They were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Straightway, at that point, at that time, they made a decision. And they decided to leave their nets, and they followed him. And tonight I want to just teach for a little while. I got a lot of scripture tonight, but it's scripture we know, so it won't be, it won't seem like as much. But uh, following through. I had a longer title, but I didn't want to fill the whole screen up. Following through on the decision to follow him. That's what I'm really, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. There's got to be a follow through on the decision. A decision that is not enacted on is not really a decision at all. It's just a fleeting thought, a daydream, unrealized, unfulfilled, discouraging. There's got to be a follow-through on the decision. Let's pray together for the lesson tonight. Lord, we certainly love you and are so grateful for the call out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, that you would call us to follow you, to serve you, and to work in this kingdom. We can never repay it. Tonight, let our hearts be stirred. Let us remember why we started following you, and let us just dedicate ourselves once again to the work of the kingdom. God, we ask you to help us to hear what the word would say tonight and what the spirit would speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap and a shout of praise in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you a bunch. I love this, this kind of lesson. I just love, I love learning how to do things that I love right. If you are a fisherman, you like to fish, you, know, you don't just go, you may not go as much as you like, but you learn how to fish. You learn all the things about it. it you know, it's not like me. When I go, I have to have people help me with some of the stuff because I'm like, how do you put that on the line? You know, cause I'm not a fisherman. I enjoy when I fish, but... Usually someone gets my rod and reel ready, I cast and reel it in. But there are people who love it, that they know how to put the weights on, what kind of weights to put on the hook, what kind of bait you're using for this fish, where we're at, what you're doing, how to cast, when to cast, all the things. And they read about it, they talk to other people about it, they spend many hours perfecting that because they love fishing and they want to be good at it because nothing, people say, you know, Oh, just being out on the water is enough. That's hogwash. You want to catch something. <laughs> and so you, 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 you perfect that. Or, or if you play a sport, you spend time. Uh, I did playing ball. I, I practiced uh, whenever I could. I played on three different teams at one point. And if I was not playing or practicing, 
I was at the field watching. I wanted to be the best. That I, when I went on the field, I wanted to be the best on my team, and I wanted to be the best on the field. I didn't want to get out there and just uh, take up time. I wanted to be the best, and so uh, I made decisions to practice, to spend hours practicing, and I followed through on those decisions, and, uh, and it made a difference. And you realize that in anything that you do, when you make a decision and decide, I'm going to study or practice or you know, uh, work on this or exercise in this, that you get better the more that you do it, the more consistent that you are, the better things turn out. You know, I, I tried, I wanted to play golf because a lot of pastor friends play golf. I don't have time. I just don't. I, and really, if, if I just loved it a lot, I probably could. But see, I like to play golf about once a year, but I want to be as good as everybody out there who plays all the time. It don't happen. You know what I end up doing? I usually, when I, well, I don't even go anymore. I sold my clubs, got rid of my stuff. I said, I'm not playing anymore. Because I just, it was a waste of time for me. And it was a waste of time for those people that were good <laughs> because they're hitting it straight down the middle. I'm hitting it in the woods, over the road, in the creek, in the water. And we were spending more time looking for my ball. Uh, so I just would say, I'll just pick up and ride the rest of this hole. And so I was just riding, mostly. That's just the way it was. And so it, it wasn't profitable. I, was, I am not a good golfer. To be good, you have to be consistent. You cannot play once a year and be good. You may enjoy it, you may enjoy the fellowship, but you're not good. You're not a golfer, you're just out there clowning, and that's what I was doing. I don't want to be clowning serving the Lord. I don't want to be, uh, you know, uh, wasting time uh, in this call that he gave me. The call to follow him will require a decision on our part. This, this uh, whole story uh, here, we see Jesus preaching what he's preaching and then immediately he starts to get disciples and if uh, the call to follow him is a call to a new life you're not going to follow him and not obey his teaching or his preaching and that their whole response was actually what he was preaching he was telling them repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repentance is a u-turn it is time for you to start doing something different than you have been doing before. And he was telling them, it's time to stop what you're doing now because there's something better here. And for every one of us, I don't care how good you felt like your life was, uh, when you come to him, it is the best life going. He does not have to say, oh, well, so you got a lot going on. I better offer you something better. His call to kingdom work is the best offer going. And so, but here's the thing. You do not get this kingdom without that repentance. You don't keep your old life and go on to this life. The old life is going to stay behind. And so then it is exemplified uh, through the actions of Peter and his brother. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, straightway, immediately, a decision had to be made. Now, it says straightway. I don't know if it was just like, whew, they, like the nets got hot and they threw them down. Did they look at each other and say, this is the family business. This is what we do. We grew up in fishing boats. We grew up washing and mending nets and catching fish. This is our life. This is what we do. But
but there was something about this call that uh, they said they left their nets. You know, I've heard people say it, and I probably have too, but I was thinking on this to study in tonight, is that when you fish with a net, you throw it out there, and you forcefully pull in, they'll say, them fish ain't want to be caught. They're trying to get away. They're wiggling and jumping, trying to get out, but you're pulling them in with a net. Maybe that's why they had to leave their nets, because to be a fisher of men, you can't cast a net on them and drag them. A decision is made. If you're fishing for men, they're jumping in the boat because they're deciding this is the way I want to go. You offer them the gospel, you preach the gospel, you show them the love of God, and then they make a decision. But you can't throw a net on them and say, come on, you're going to follow Jesus whether you want to or not. I'm following him, so you're going to do it too. No, but you made a decision, and so will they. And you and I, we all made a decision that we would follow him, but uh, again, a decision is no good without the follow-through. If you decide that uh, I'm going to start saving money, but then you don't, you'll still be broke. If you decide that I'm not going to eat seven meals a day, but you keep on doing it, you ain't going to get no better. When you make a decision to improve your life, you've got to follow through on it. That's why we talk about every year at New Year, people, uh, New Year's resolutions. You know why they don't work? Because there's no follow-through. You know why every year you're making the same resolution? Because you didn't follow through in the last year. So just quit doing it. <laughs> because you're not going to follow. You, you ought to have learned by now. You, you've been saying, I'm gonna, this year, I said, I'm eating better this year. You've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> you're not going to eat better. Because as soon as the the hot sign at Krispy Kreme goes on, you pulling in. As soon as you see Del Taco, you stopping. There's an amen corner over there. That's what, you know, you're just going to do it. You just, but, but if you follow through, suddenly you see an improvement in your life. And when we decide that we will follow through on this call, follow me, that's when you're going to be uh, satisfied in your walk with God. That's when you're going to reap the benefits of, of that, yes, Lord, I will leave this behind. I will drop these things and, and I'm, I'm going uh, to follow you with all that's within me. And that's what we've got to make a decision. Are we going to hang on to our nets? You know what you do if you were, if you were to take a net and walk around with it? You'd be getting hung on stuff, caught up on things. You'd be, oh, you're spending time trying to unravel yourself and Jesus is steadily moving. That's why you drop those nets. Or you drop the things that were who you were so you can become who he wants you to be. Yeah? That's what we've got to do. Listen, we've got to do differently than what we've been doing because a new way, he's telling us there's a new way of life being presented to you. Make no mistake. If anybody tells you following Jesus requires no change on your part, they are selling you a false gospel. That's not the gospel of Jesus. Our lives will change. Or why would we even be excited about the scripture? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
old things or what he used to do has passed away and now all things are become new and all things are of God. That means my new life is God ordained. Those steps are ordered of the Lord. I become his. But, oh, for to see those promises, to know those promises there, to hear the call, to hear the voice of the Spirit, to hear the voice of our Savior, follow me, and say, that's it. That's what I want. I've decided I'm just going to give my life to God and then don't follow through. It's not a decision. It's a heartbreak waiting to happen because you'll be so sad thinking that all I had to do was decide but not do anything else. Uh, the, the, you don't want to do that. In, in Hebrews it said they saw these promises and they embraced them. They made a decision that I am going to hold on to this and I am going to believe this and I'm going to follow this. And so it's an absolute given that our lives will change when we come to God and that is a good thing. You're not going to meet anybody in Scripture in heaven that was changed when they met Jesus and said, yeah, that really wasn't a good day. But you're going to find people that had an issue of blood that said, yeah, I was better. You'll find people who were blind, but then they could see. People that were deaf, but then they could hear. People that had legions of devils, but were delivered. You're going to find people that were dead, but were brought back to life. You'll see a little girl that she had died, and her parents were sad, but she lived and grew up and got married and had kids of her own probably and raised a family and told them about the man that raised her from the dead. And, and you'll never, she'll never say that was a bad day. No, sir. Following him is the best life ever. And so our lives will be different if we decide to take this offer of follow me. That's why, you know, Romans 6 says we are buried with him in baptism. Uh, that's that death. We, we die. That's like repentance. But we're raised to walk in newness of life. It's a new walk. It's a new life. Uh, we have crucified, the scripture says, the old man with the affections and lust. Everything he wanted before, we killed that when we came to him. Why? Because when we follow him, we know that Jesus said, you take up your cross daily. And this was a pattern of things that Jesus often taught. It wasn't just a one-time thing when he was calling these guys. Anytime he mentioned, follow me, it came with a follow, it had to be a, a decision and then a follow-through. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 17, it says that when he was gone forth in the way, he, there came one running kneeled to him and asked him. And that just shows you that there's this guy, wanted, he was uh, desperately wanting something. He came running, kneeled down in front of him. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? How am I going to get to heaven? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? There's none good but one, that's God. You know the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud. Uh, honor your father and mother. He said, all these things I've done, Master, I've done these for my youth. I've, I've done this. Jesus, beholding him, loved him, said unto him, one thing you lack. Jesus is not letting us slide on this. He, he knows what it takes, and he's going to make sure we understand what it takes. And he said, here's the deal. This is how this will happen. What you're asking for. I'm, hey, I'm glad that he will show me where I lack so I don't miss out. Don't be offended at Jesus for pointing out, hey, you're missing the mark right there.
because we want to get it right. And so he said, go your way and sell whatsoever you have. Give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. So this man now has to make a decision. Will I get rid of the, he said, get rid of whatever you have. Whatever's tying you down, got to go. Reminded me of the scripture. What would it profit a man if he would gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Because this man would not let go of the things that were there. He did not get rid of whatsoever he had, but instead it said he went away grieved for he had great possessions. And Jesus marveled at it. And he said, but those that have great riches, and it's going to be hard for them to enter into this kingdom because they can't let go. Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so we've got to realize that when he calls us, he knows. He's not just trying to make you poor. He's not trying to turn this guy into a beggar. He's not trying to, uh, you know, hurt him or offend him. He knows you'll never be satisfied with just me holding on to that stuff. You'll never be satisfied with this walk. You'll never be satisfied with this trip to the kingdom as long as you are focused on these things that you have right now. You have to let me be that pearl of great price. You have to let me be that treasure that was hidden in the field. You've got to let me be everything. And so this decision is not to be taken lightly. We're not joining a club or signing up for a gym membership because those are things that we make, we, oh, we make a decision on and, we, and every month it, while it's automatically drafting out of your account, you realize I made a decision but I'm not following through because you know the last time you went was the day you signed up. Yeah. But when we answer this call, we're, we're not doing something temporary like that. We're, we're giving our life over to the potter. Jesus shows us clearly in this story here that eternity is at stake. The guy wanted to know what to do that he may receive eternal life. How am I going to get there? This is what you do. A casual, nonchalant approach to following Jesus will not profit you because what will happen is you will look up one day and realize that you haven't taken a single step. The nets are still in your hand. You're still there with your stuff. We, we deceive ourselves with the decision. That's what we talk ourselves into them things like that. I've got to get better. I've got, so I'm making the decision today. That's it. Today, I'm getting better. But then we don't follow through. I've got, I've got to start exercising. I've got to start doing this. I've got to start, I've got to start saving money. I've got to get an education. I've got to you know, get a better. We make all these decisions because we know, man, if I do that, and that's, that's something so crazy because we're like, if I do that, I know it'll get better, but then we don't do it. And it's the same way in the church is that people come in and we're singing and the Spirit's moving and the Word of God's going forth and they feel the presence of the Lord, and this is what I've been looking for, this is it, and go right back out in the car, and nothing changed. Oh, I want it, but what are you going to do about it? The decision requires a follow-through. We've got to take steps. 
of following him, of walking with him and doing those things. And that's what this whole message is about. It's not about, I'm not going to sit here and list everything we've got to do. I'm trying to first make us see and understand the decision for the follow-through, how important it is that we just say, you know, because this, this grace plus nothing nonsense is, is causing people to make decisions and do nothing about it. it you know, it, it just is. But the Bible, we, I believe in grace. I, and I know that it says it is by grace through faith that you're saved. But I also know that faith without works is dead. I'm not saying that works save us, and I'm not saying that we can earn salvation through our works. I'm telling you that grace is the reason for the offer. Faith in his grace, his mercy, his sacrifice, all the things that, faith in that and then following through is what's going to save us. Just grace plus faith, you know, we think, well, all I got to do is trust in his grace and believe and not do nothing. But the Bible says the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men and it teaches us what is the point of teaching somebody something if they don't do it? Many school teachers are frustrated with kids because they say, I'm here teaching, and they're not listening, they're not learning, they're not going out and doing anything with it. But you have some of those that they learn it. And they put it to, and they follow through with it. They keep going. They go through school, and they graduate, and they get these jobs. They, they go to college, and they, they have a, 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 give me the word. Degree, yeah, degree. This is what you what you want to do, and you, you've got that. So now, hey, I've got this degree, and now I can go out and get this job in that field because that's what I want. I have followed through on the decision. This was my major. I followed through on it, and now I have this job that I wanted, and I'm making the money I want. I'm doing the things I want to do. I'm building buildings or teaching kids or, or I'm a, a vet or a doctor or a lawyer, whatever it is, but it, it didn't just happen. The decision to go to school a lot of people make that decision, and then a lot of them quit, or they flunk out, or they say, uh, you're not making the grade, you're not, you know, you're not making the payments or whatever. You know, if you make a decision to go to school, there's going to be some follow-through, or it doesn't profit you anything. I don't want that to happen in my walk with God. So I want to make sure I'm not... Listen, you can't carry, like this man here, he, he, he couldn't let go of his stuff, but you can't carry the cross and your stuff. Jesus said, there's no way for you to balance the cross with all your stuff. So whatsoever you have, get rid of it and take up this cross because, listen, you've got to, to lay aside these things. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 reaffirms that. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Number one, these witnesses are people who decided to follow. They left things behind. They, they, were people, they, they, they had faith. They believed, they, hey, they were partakers of the grace and they had faith. And so they, they, well, we've got to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. The life of sin we had before, the things that we were carrying around before, we've got to let that go. And then run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we're following him. 
We're looking unto him. But we've got to lay aside and run. His message has not changed for this generation. It has not changed for the church day. Anyone who is saved from this point on will still have to take up their cross daily and follow him. Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. This is what, how Paul describes his, his walk. Let me see if I, I've got that here so I can read from here. Philippians 3 and 12 and 13. Paul said, I'm not acting like I have already attained this. And I'm not acting like I'm already perfect, but I follow after. There was a decision Paul had to make when Jesus struck him down on the road to Damascus. When he said, I'm Jesus that, you, that you're persecuting. He had to make a decision that day when Jesus told him all the things he wanted him to do and how he would preach this gospel and do these things. He had to make a decision, and he did. And so he said, this is what I do. I'm following. I'm following after so that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I'm not saying, I'm not counting myself to have apprehended yet, but this one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind. So we, always, we automatically always think that's just a terrible life that Jesus brought us out of. That's what we're supposed to forget. But, you know, we hardly ever forget that. We wish we could. But Paul started off this chapter talking about the things he could boast of. His education, he was a Hebrew, Pharisee, his zeal for the law. And he was saying, if anybody wants to boast, he said, I can boast more because I sat under the greatest teachers, I had the greatest upbringing, and so if, you know, I was very zealous, I persecuted you. I, you know, but he said, those things that were gained to me, I counted loss so I could win him. And so he said, so... I'm forgetting those things that are behind and I'm reaching forth under those things which are before. We can never stop reaching for more of what God has for us. On this journey of following him, he's making something out of us and we can't stop reaching for that. We can't get satisfied with just, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stand still. This is good enough right here. You know, I could just say, well, I'm the, I'm the pastor and I can just stop right here and I don't have to do anything else. I, I've got a a license, I've got a title, I've got a church I preach to everywhere, I can just stop right here. I want more. I want more than what I've got right now. I, I want to be more because there's more for me. That doesn't mean I want to be, not be pastor here. I'm saying, but I want more in this pastorship. I want more of his spirit. I want more of his mercy. I want more of his grace. I want more of his word. I want to know him better. I want to know him deeper. I, I want to understand I want to know him. I want to be able to lay hands on people and see, see them recover from their illnesses. I want to know what the Spirit is saying to the church so I can feed the flock that he has made me an overseer of. I can't just be satisfied with the fact, well, I made it to the pastor. That's, that's, I've arrived. No, I haven't arrived. I'm still walking. I'm still walking. I'm still following him. And so I, I, I forget uh, all that other stuff, and I reached forward. I, I pressed toward the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And, and so uh, that's what I want, and that's what we have to do. There's got to be a follow-through on the decision to follow him. You can't just sit back and coast and do nothing. We've got to follow him, stay connected to him. In Hebrews chapter 11, here's one of the things that will help you 
on your decision and your follow-through. In Hebrews 11, 13, and 15, it goes right in line with what Paul was saying. Uh, 11, 13 through 15. Yeah. Well, don't you love when you write the scriptures down wrong? And I did. I must have wrote it down there. Uh, it's not 13 and 15. It's, uh, so if I gave you 13 and 15, I'm sorry. It is actually Hebrews 11 and I'm going crazy. <laughs> See, I get, I get to study and writing stuff, and then I, and I write stuff down. I can't remember uh, what I wanted to say. The Scripture says that they were looking for uh, a, a better place. They were looking for, uh, there it is. Maybe it is 13 through 15. Maybe I was right. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them far off. Yeah, oh, here we are. We're persuaded of them. I was right. <laughs> Too much coffee before service. They embraced them, and then they confessed. We're just strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things plainly that they seek a country. And truly, here it is. If they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, and was the place that we left behind, they might have had opportunity to have returned. When you cannot stop dwelling on where you came from, when you cannot stop dwelling on your past, the door of opportunity to go back is going to swing wide open. We buried that. Quit going to the cemetery to visit your past. Quit putting flowers on the grave of your past. Because you keep thinking about that, honey, and I promise you the door is going to swing wide open and all you, it's just one step back into that world. Show you how easy it is if you're not careful. After Peter had denied the Lord and things had happened and uh, the Lord, had, he was resurrected, all this stuff was going on. They don't know what's going on yet, what's going to happen yet. Peter says, I'm going fishing. You're not a fisherman anymore, Peter. You mean he wasn't even allowed to fish anymore? No, I'm not saying he couldn't go fishing anymore, but, but Peter, you're not a fisherman anymore. That's not who you are. Because everybody else said, well, we're going too. But while he was there fishing, the Lord showed up on the bank and when they said, hey, it's the Lord, Peter jumped out of that boat and swam to him. And the Lord began to tell him, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. Take care of my church. Take care of the flock. Don't let that boat become your habit anymore. Don't let that boat and those nets become your life anymore. That's not who you are. It's just as a decision. It's just that easy to make a decision and to follow through. And I don't want them to decide to step back. I want to decide and take that step back to where I came from. God called me away from those things. And I made a decision, Lord, yes, I will follow you. But I've got to follow through on my end. And so this is what we're talking about. We, we, we've got to be careful of being mindful of where you came from. Live the life, the new life that Jesus gave you. This is why we don't believe in just casual Christianity. I don't believe in it. It is a waste of people's time. 
There's no light on in casual Christianity. It means something to take up the cross. You know what happened to Jesus on his cross? He died. If your cross is producing anything less than death to the flesh, death to worldly masters, death to yourself, death to sin, if it's producing anything other than death, it's not a cross. If Jesus died on his cross, you better believe you're going to die on yours. Hello? That's why there's a decision to be made. This old stuff, this old life, these things have got to go. They've got to be out of my life. I think it probably grieves the Lord to know that they have molded and shaped all these millions and millions of, of crucifixes and things that people... Why? It's not, it was never meant to be an ornament. Now you can say, Pastor, that's pretty good. Well, I'm just telling you, he didn't go to the cross so it could be marketable. Well, <laughs> it's the truth. It, it wasn't, you know, it's not a pillow. It's not a decoration. He didn't intend it to be that. That's not what it was. It, the cross was for the saving of our souls. It was where the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, would give his life, where he would show mercy and compassion to this world. It was never intended to be a gift or a decoration. It just wasn't. Our cross is not one we carry in our pocket or on our T-shirt. Uh, the, the, I'm not getting If you've got a t-shirt with a cross, oh, I'm about to throw that away. I'm not going to throw your t-shirts away. But don't think that's your real cross. I've got a hat with a cross on it. It, it says Army of the Lord. And it, I bought it because I like it. But I'm telling you, it, I don't think, well, this, I'm carrying my cross when I wear that hat. Don't think that your, your shoelaces and your t-shirts and your socks and and, and your car tag means you're carrying your cross. It's a decision that you make so that when people see you without that T-shirt on, they still know it's there. I know that, that right there was pretty stout. I, I get it. I get it. But I'm telling you that the world has marketed Jesus and have sold him in a different light. But he said, if you're going to follow me and be my disciple, you will take up your cross and deny yourself. He said, if you make a decision, there's going to be a follow-through. We're going to be a sacrifice. He said, you must lose your life to save it. So uh, Jesus said that, lose your life and you'll save it. You try to hang on to your life, he said you'll lose it. So are we going to believe what the world said or what the Bible says? Come on. That, that, that too, yeah. Are we going to believe this world's watered-down version of living for God 
or are we going to believe what the Bible says? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I just love Paul because he's got that Romans road to salvation. Ain't no Romans road to salvation. Here's Paul. Apostle, man of God, just talked about, hey, I ain't arrived. I'm following after. I'm reaching forth. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, the church, by the mercies of God. He's talking to the church. You've already repented. You've been baptized. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, now present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It is your reasonable service. Yeah, reasonable service. And then, and don't be conformed to this world. Not this world's idea of, of living for God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to start thinking different. You've got to believe. You make this decision. This is going to be the best life going. This is going to be better than where I came from. I'm not going to be mindful of the country I came from. I'm going to renew my mind in the newness of life that God gave me. And the only way, this is the only way that you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Anything less than becoming a living sacrifice and transforming our minds, there's no way possible for us to prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And that's what we want to do because we want the world to see this Jesus that we love so dearly and that loves us so dearly. We are transformed. Paul gave further instruction, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. He said, don't you know that they which run in a race they're all running, but one receives the prize. He said, so now run. He's writing again. He's writing to the church. Run so that you may obtain. Every man that strives for the mastery, he's talking about athletes. He's, he's making an analogy here. That strives for the mastery, he's temperate in all things. In other words, he, he uh, takes care of his body so that he can do these things. And he said, now he does this so he can obtain a corruptible crown but we want an incorruptible crown. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. He said, so I'm not just running without, I'm not just running in circles. I've got a destination. I've got a finish line. That's why he could say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. He said, and so fight I, not as one that beats the air. I'm not shadow boxing. I'm not just swinging around in the air. But now here it is. I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway. He said I bring it into subjection. The word translates to either means to enslave or to subdue. He said I am going to subdue my body for this walk with God. I'm going to just like an athlete or runner will say this is the only thing I will put in my body because I'm training. This is the only way I will work out because I'm training. And Paul said, these are the things I'll do because I am following him. I'm running this race and I do not want to. If, hey, I need that back up. If once we're saved, we're always saved. Why would Paul say, 
when I have preached, then I could be cast away. You would think Paul, the man that wrote Romans, uh, that everybody quotes, all, that a lot of the once saved, always saved people quote. But Paul said, I'm saved. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in his name. And as a preacher, if I don't follow through on the decision, if I don't do the things that are right, I could be cast away. There's got to be a follow through on the decision to follow him. The Bible says we mortify the, uh, the deeds of the flesh through the Spirit. There is a way for us to follow through. It's not too hard to live for God. We live for God. We follow God. We, we believe in Him. And, friend, He's going to be there with us every step of the way. Paul said in one place, if I build again the things which I've destroyed or walked away from, he said, then I make myself a transgressor. I'm going back to things that the Lord got out of my life. And so the decision to follow will require personable, personal disciplines. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, twice, Paul says, exercise yourself unto godliness. And in verse 8, for bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. It has promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. When you exercise yourself under the things of God, it's going to bless you now. It's going to bless you then. It's going to take care of you. We have to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Here's the thing. Exercise. How many people like to exercise? There's a few. So y'all young. You know what? You know when, just bear with me. People that, you know, when they decide to start an exercise routine, when they notice a problem. Hmm. That scale must be off. I better start walking. I better start, I better hit the gym. I better, I better start drinking water. I mean, cut them sodas. It's funny that we never start exercising or saying we need to exercise until there's a problem. And so, you know, we, we, two or three weeks, we get on it, we lose a couple pounds, and then, well, I lost two pounds. I can have that donut now. I'll say, how'd that two pounds come back? Because you didn't have just one donut. You went back to a dozen donuts. I'm speaking from experience. I'm telling you. <laughs> I know. That's the way people exercise. Well, unfortunately, that's the way people exercise in godliness, that they don't pray till there's a problem. This is a big pill now. But it, tell me I'm wrong. We treat that. We, we do it. We, we don't start fasting until there's this dire need. We don't dust that Bible up and start reading until we're going through something. You know who, see, you know who sees benefit from exercise? the people who exercise daily. If you go to the gym once a month, that ain't exercising. You just got a gym appointment. But, and you know, what, you know what? You actually feel worse because you're just sore. 
because your body's not used to it. You go and you jump in there and you do all the things. You run in the treadmill, stairmaster, lifting some weights, doing some things. And for the next three days, you walk like this. And you... What have you been doing, exercising? No, you hadn't. No, you hadn't. You've been torturing yourself. Don't think it won't be the same. You torture yourself with hit and miss exercise with God. But a consistent, that's why, what did Jesus, he made sure to say, take up the cross daily. He said that way you'll build up this routine. When you somebody has got an exercise routine, well, they, they like this. Come on, let's go to the gym. Hey, let's go. Hey, bouncing. Let's go. Ooh. Hey, hey, come on, you know. They all over it, man. You're like, man, come on. I'm, I ain't been here in three years. Just come on. I'll, I'll get there. You go in walking like this, and you come out walking like this. You know? And that's why a lot of times people come in and go out, and they're unchanged. It's because there's a decision. I know things are wrong, but, man, you got to put some stuff together. You've got to start walking daily with the Lord. You've got to realize that, man, I, I have made a decision. Now I've got to make a commitment, and I've got to follow him daily. We don't take time off from serving God. Now, here, well, you know, people that live wasting, they have a rest day. Okay. He is our rest. So while I'm exercising, I, I, see, that's the neat thing about God is while you're exercising yourself under godliness, you're also getting your rest. Because when you, when you uh, get into the presence, that's where you, you find that rest. You ever lips in another tongue, I'll speak to my people. This is the rest. This is the refreshing. And so you, you're getting the, the exercise and the rest all in one, one gig when you follow him daily. You don't have to take a day off. Uh, you don't have to have a rest day. So, you know, a lot of people, they exercise you either do it for real benefit or you do it to feel good about yourself. And sometimes people like say, well, you know, you'll see them post, hit the gym today. But they neglect to say it was the most miserable hour of my life. But they want everybody to think, well, good for you, man. And you get all them comments, way to go, good for you. They're like, oh, look at all these likes I'm getting. But you don't get better because you got a bunch of likes. Exercise yourself under godliness. Walk in the spirit. I know I'm running down. I'm running out of time. Hold on. I got some more scripture. I told you I had a lot. The book of Galatians, chapter 5. This is too much to just read on my own. Galatians 5. And because I'm just going to read right here. This is making a decision, and following through. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 25. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. You've been called. But you don't use the liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love you serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you don't be consumed one of another. This I say then, walk 
in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Make a decision. Follow through. Walk in the spirit. For the flesh, it lusted against the spirit. That's the spirit with the big S now. That's this, the, the flesh is against the Holy Ghost you got. It's against the spirit of God. The spirit's against the flesh. They're contrary one to the other, so you can't do the things that you would. The flesh does not want to do, your flesh does not want to pray. Your flesh does not want to fast. It does not want to read. It does not want to get up and get ready and come to church. But the Spirit does. And so when you follow the Spirit, he says, if you're led of the Spirit, be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are this. Remember what, if you can remember what Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, he said, such were some of you that a lot of this is in that list. And he's saying, here's what the flesh likes. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Friend, if we're going to follow him, we've got to make some decisions. And these things have got to go. Envians, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. You've got to turn from these things so that you can be what he wants you to be. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. If we really belong to him and we're carrying the cross, we have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's the way he wants us to do that's what we're supposed to be doing. And um, I know I'm running out of time here. A couple more minutes. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. And honey, if you want to come on up to the music, I won't, that, that'll hurry me along. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. He said, for us who have made this decision... Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And then you will be, a, and I will be a father unto you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7 and verse 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, don't just make a decision, but follow through. He said, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Uh, we're perfecting holiness not so we can be self-righteous, but so God can get the glory. And if we think that we can just do anything we want to do in this world and glorify God, that's not godliness and that's not holiness. The Bible says without holiness, no man will see the Lord. We've got to be what he wants us to be. Our life is not our own. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. I'm not my own. My life is not my own. I have been bought with a price. And so 
He said, glorify God in your body. People say, well, God knows what's in my heart. You better believe he does. But he said, whatever's in the heart will manifest on the outside. He warned the Pharisees because he said, you clean the outside of the cup, but you don't clean the inside. He said, clean the inside so the outside will be clean also. And so, uh, you know, I realize that what people see needs to glorify God. You can't be just doing whatever you want to do and say, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, because he can, he can see what's happening on the outside. <laughs> That's how he sees your heart. You're bought with a price, glorify God in your body and your spirit because they are God's. We're supposed to bring glory to God. And back in Matthew where we started, and you can stand with me. In Matthew chapter 5, this is what he said about us, who we are. In verse 13, he said, you are the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. You know what salt is? It's a seasoning. It's a, it's a preserver. How many people like salt? There's some things you just like, man, I can't eat this. It needs salt. But what if when you were to shake that salt on there, it didn't change anything? This salt ain't no good. Throw it away. And that's what he just said. He said, if the salt loses its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot. So it's not, salt is not valued for its own sake. It's valued for its complementary properties, what it can do, because it can preserve, because it can flavor things. But if it loses that ability, it's worthless. And when we stop following him, we lose our saltness. We lose the ability to, to, to make a change, to make a difference. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, once you've made a decision to light that candle, he said, don't put it under a bushel, but you put it on a candlestick and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You don't say, yeah, I, I, yeah, turn that light on, Lord. Oh, but let me cover it up. Once the decision for the light to come on is there, now the follow-through. Put it on a candlestick, brother, and let it shine. Let it shine. Let, let people see it so they can glorify God. We are workers together with him, the scripture says. So let's be, I said this the other night, let's be the best version what he wants to make out of us and to be the best version I'm going to not just make a decision I'm going to follow through on the decision and don't think oh this is it's just too hard there's no way I, I no listen when we fall he said though a good man fall he's not utterly cast down when we fall we get up because he's there to help us up he has mercy that's new every morning his compassion fails not he said if you confess your faults I'm faithful to forgive you you know why? It's because Jesus wants us to follow through on the decision to follow him. He doesn't want us to just start walking and then quit and, and turn around and go back. He wants you to make it all the way. That's why there's so many promises of, I'll pick you up, I'll stay with you, I'll be there, I'll make a way of escape, I'll comfort you, I'll, you know, I'll turn your mourning into dancing, the, uh, you know, I'm going to turn things around, for, I'm just going to fix it for you if you'll just keep following me. So make a decision, sure.
but then follow through on the decision to follow him. Amen? I know some of this was a little... <clears throat> I know some of it was a little tough, but I, yeah, I'm telling you, I, I, I ain't apologizing for it because, uh, friend, Jesus is getting ready to come back and get a church. You better know it. Jesus is coming back and I don't want to be left and I don't want to see nobody left. Let's live for God and let's take people to heaven with us. But how are we going to do that? We got to shine the right light. We got to follow through. So while she's playing the night, I just open the altars. Come and pray for a few moments. Let the Lord bless you. Maybe you'll make a decision tonight. If you do, follow through on it. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you can do that tonight.
you know, it'd be different. I want to tell you, I know what I'm talking about. You know, Paul said in one place, he said, you can follow me as I follow Christ. He said, and follow others. He said, you have others for an example. And, and I have not attained and I'm not perfect, but I've been living for the Lord for nearly 30 years now. And I'm going to tell you, in 30 years, I have found out that consistency with Him is the key. Just like any other thing in this world, being consistent, walking with Him daily, talking to Him. Man, I've walked through valleys. I've walked a lot of different spiritual landscapes, valleys. I've walked through uh, sickness. I've walked through heartache. I've walked through, you know, just struggles and trials and tests, but always seem to come through because walking with him it'll get you there the psalmist said yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'll fear no evil it's a bad place but I'm not worried about it because his rod and staff comforts me his presence is there he's with me he's taking care of me and on the other side of this valley he said you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies there's a table there waiting just waiting for me when I get there. God's not going to leave you. So when you make this decision to serve him and follow him, he's going to be there. And then you become part of a body. Man, nobody could just serve God on their own because he didn't design it to be that way. Brothers and sisters in the faith that love you and a church family that will lift you up and be there for you, nothing like it. Nothing like it. The body is still the best thing going. The body of Christ is still the best thing going. Better than any business, organization, company, club, sports team, whatever you want to say. There ain't nothing you can compare to the church. It is the bride of Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's still the best. And guess what? It's always open enrollment whosoever will let him come you can come and join this and be a part of it praise God I love you thank you for uh, being here tonight let this stick with you this was this is that kind of stuff that needs to stick with you it'll carry you through God bless you a bunch Friday night they have the taco dinner if you have not purchased tickets for the taco dinner uh, see sister Bianca brother Stephen see some of them and um, and uh Let's see, it's 7.30 Friday night, right? So 7.30 on Friday night. So please, tonight's the last night to get the tickets because they've got to know how much food to prepare for everybody that's coming. So uh, if you can't be there but you'd like to donate, they're raising money for Move the Mission, and it would be great if you could help them out with a donation as well. So uh, you can give with Cash App. You know, If you don't have any money, they, they do have Cash App and, and Venmo. So two ways to give if you want to do that. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.